the passage will magically appear on screen. It's not magic, of course, it's technology, but it will appear on screen. By, by the way, uh, Laurie, just to say, this area behind John is called the chancel, okay? <laughs> just, in, just thought, you know. Therefore, <laughs> hang on, hang on. Let's calm down. Let's put the filters back for a bit. Okay. This is scripture. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only my presence, but much more in my absence. This, by the way, is very appropriate, isn't it? As you have always obeyed. It's not true, mind you. I can't say this truthfully, can I? Because you don't really obey, have you? I mean, I look at, the, I look at Andrew. He's the only example of youth who disobeyed me the whole time here, really. But... Anyway, Paul's writing to a church in Philippi, he's, he's in prison, and he's saying to them, as you've always obeyed me when I've been there, I want you to live right, I want you to live as if I was there now. So he says, in my presence, how much more in my absence? Conti- oh, here we go. This is, the, this is the edge. Continue to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. That's one side of the bridge. That's the side that encourages the Christians of Philippi to flip in, that's a good word for Philippi, take it seriously. Work out your salvation. Sozo. Salvation means, you know, God rescuing us from, from all the bad stuff and giving us life and making us alive in the spirit. Work out your salvation, Paul says, in fear. <gasps> and trembling always means trembling with fear. Because it's... And, 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 and you read that. And you think, that's saying I've got to do this stuff and it really matters and I've got to be scared I get it, might get it wrong. And then he goes on to say, immediately afterwards, for it is God, God who works in you to will and to act in order for his good purpose. Do you get the paradox there? Do you get it? It's so close. I mean, it's always there in the New Testament, in my opinion. Let's do the two truths. Let's be clear about it, Okay. My salvation, your salvation, our salvation is entirely God's doing. Amen? He forgives us. He brings into the kingdom. It's all God's done. I cannot save myself. Nothing I can do. I may be a good boy. I may be a bad boy. But nothing, I can't do by goodness and by good works and by trying hard and by reading the Bible and by praying and by fasting and by whatever else people do and by putting holly down my pants like the monks used to to punish themselves. If you haven't tried that, don't. Um, well, I can't by those sort of things work my way into salvation. Amen? It's God and God alone. It's a finished work. I pray but it won't happen too soon because I, I want to enjoy the next phase. But at some point, I will appear before the judgment throne of God. And God will declare me righteous, not because of anything I have done, but because of the finished work of Jesus. Amen? It's all on him. My confidence is utterly on Jesus, which is why I can be confident that I will be declared. Well, I'm already declared, but you know what I mean? Because it's Jesus. I don't trust me. No one trusts Chris Clare. Weirdly, at times they do. Um, let me tell you, it's not a pleasant place to be. Um, 
it's sort of human in nature, I suppose. But people sometimes say, oh, I've been a great example of Jesus. I think, oh, my word, if you only knew <laughs> the fumbling attempts that I look at my life to try and follow Jesus. Look at Jesus. That's where, that's where Jesus was absolutely without sin. He does it absolutely right. He gets everything right and still does. But it's because of Jesus. Finished work of God. On one side, Paul said, oh, God, oh give me the scripture back, please. Thank you. That's the one. Uh, God who works in you to will and to... Okay, I think will talks about giving us the right ideas to do. Let's just think straight. Giving us revelation. God does that stuff. Do we see what God's... Do we see the future? Do we see the prophecy? Well, we do, but God does it, doesn't he? It's God that gives us those words and things. And to act, we, you know, <laughs> I need, if I'm going to do everything that we do in the kingdom building is either God in powder or it's rubbish. If the Lord doesn't build the house, the loads of builders labour in vain. That's a good scripture, by the way, for the, for the building, isn't it? It's God, it's God, it's God, it's God, it's God. It's God who works in you. My friends, it's on one side. We'll do it, let's think. I'm on the cooling ridge going towards Loch Corusk and the... Oh, there's a scary bit there. I'll never do it again now. All I've got now is memories of being scared. <clears throat> Body wouldn't cope quite. And on one side, on the, on the east side, there's God does everything. But Paul says, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. And the fear word is fear. And just occasionally, it is true that our English word fear is used in the sense of respect, but the way it's used here, certainly the trembling word, it always is used, the Greek word, for being just, you know, very scared. I was going to put a bad word in before, scared, but it's been recorded, so I won't say that. Very scared. And I think, you see, there is an element where there's dangers both sides, there's truths both sides, and there's dangers both sides. If, if I only affirm the truth that God's done everything, the danger is that I sit back and say, it's fun. God's done it. And he has. <laughs> if I go on the other side, I can think I have to work hard, and I then get to the place where I feel I've never quite made it because I've never done it good enough. I lose my confidence in God, yeah? But the right place is on the ridge. The right place is knowing the truth that God's done it all and I can only do it in his strength. And yet, I've got, to in, I've got to claim this. I've got to enforce it. I've got to make it happen here. God's won the victory, but I have to enforce it. And there's something about just taking it, it, it you know, it's serious. And Paul's saying to these guys in Philippi, look, you've got the most amazing thing that God's done for you. So work it out. Complete it. Bring it to completion. Don't, don't just take it as sort of a, yeah, it's an okay thing. Bring it to completion. Of the day of Christ Jesus. And for me, again, slightly personal thing. Uh, I, I, I'm sure my temptation is to err on the side of thinking I can do it. I have a bias towards that, I think. And for me, I have to keep coming back and saying, and reminding myself that God's done it all. Make sense? I think there are some people, maybe it's easy to bear the other side. 
But don't pretend this is an easy thing to understand, I don't think. Most of the commentators say it's a paradox, and it's very close together. There's one place, I think, in the New Testament, you can put it on screen if you like, where Paul tries to sort of resolve the paradox of God's absolute sovereignty, and he does everything, it's all, and also us having to do it ourselves. In Romans 14, um, and I have to say, this is, put it on the screen, please, go. Talk about yourselves, talk about yourselves. Okay. No, that's not the right bit. Never mind. Never work, they say, don't they? Never work with children, animals, and sound team. Filters have gone. Filters have Oh, I don't know. <laughs> okay, forget that. I failed miserably. <laughs> My memory of Romans has gone. This, I have to say, I did say something for the service that... Um, um, don't worry about it. There's a bit in Romans somewhere. I'll come, after I finish preaching, I'll look at my notes and find out. I've got some notes somewhere where, where Paul talks about, about the Jews and being brought in and, and God's sovereign will and, and did they break the promises. And it's the most obscure bit of scripture ever. I don't get it. So live with the, live with the paradox. Live with the paradox that God's done it and God works in you. But live with the paradox that you've got to work at it. That you've got to work at it. Take it seriously. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Back to Philippians, please. Sorry, team. That's it. Next bit. Lost that. Now, one of the, one of the things about um, the New Testament is that um, we never, Paul never does theology for the sake of it. He always does theology for the sake of t- telling people how to live and, and being practical. But he never saw practical stuff without theology to go together. So having done that great truth... He then has this amazing thing about do not do everything without grumbling or arguing, so it may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine like stars. Do everything, he says, without grumbling and mumbling, you know, that murmuring thing. And what encourages me about this is he has to write it. So clearly he thought it was a risk, yeah? <laughs> he wouldn't rather writing it if he wasn't. Philippi's a great church, they do great stuff. But he warns them, and the whole of this section from the beginning of halfway chapter one to really the end of three is all about unity, really. And he's encouraging them to be one-minded and then practically, having said, work out your salvation and God works in you, he then says, don't do that mumbling and grumbling thing. Mumbling against it. And it's easy in churches to do that, actually. It's easy in all walks of life to do it. Um, I'm going to just like do a weird diversion here. There's if you think about people mumbling and grumbling in the, in the Bible, where do you think the biggest mumble and grumblers are? Take 10 seconds to the person next to you and have a bit of Bible knowledge chatting. You've got no one next to you. What did you do? Everyone's gone. Rachel, I'll come and talk to you. <laughs> 10 seconds.
I, there's a really great... Uh, I mean, the Israelites, I think, are, are the A-star grumblers. Agreed? Oh, my word. Oh, that you left us in Egypt. We, and, they, and it's all over Exodus and Numbers, okay? When they do stuff and they grumble. Now, Andrew might remember this. What they do is they moan about the fact they've got no meat. Remember this? Oh, why did you bring us out of Egypt? We had fish for free and cucumbers. Who, who desires Cucumbers are rubbish food. They're just like, they're just all water and green and they make you burp. I mean, I mean who desires, anyway. And they mumble and grumble about no, no cucumbers or whatever and no, and no fish. And, and, and so what does God do? Quail. Now, because I'm a complete geek, there was a youth meeting where we looked it up in numbers. It's not the Exodus reading, actually. It's the numbers one, but the same story reported. And do you know what it says about the quail? I mean, the, the people grumble, and God says, okay, I'll give you meat. It says in Numbers 11, the quail came from the sea. I'm feeling... My stomach's feeling weird doing this. And it says, it was all around the camp for a day's walk from the camp. Do you remember doing this? Three cubits, a metre deep. And because I'm an idiot, I had to work out <laughs> what that meant. There's some debate about how big the camp of Israel was, taking the smallest possible size for the camp of Israel. And how big a day's walk I mean, I can, I can walk a long way in a day, but we t there's a sort of measure for what a day's walk is under Sabbath rules. Taking the size of the camp of Israel, going a day's walk from that and a metre deep, the amount of quail you get is astronomic. There would be approximately 200,000 quail per person in the UK. <laughs> 200,000 quail for each of the 70 million people in the UK per night. Now, I don't know whether that's, I don't, I mean, they were just swamped in quail. This is a digression, but it makes this point. We often talk about God's provision being limitless. And I, Lord Jesus, you're not going to say, I don't sometimes wonder that God's thinking, oh, I'm going to show you. <laughs> you mumbled, you're A-star mumblers, I'm A-star provider. Do you get it? <laughs> This mumbling's gone too long. Woo! I probably got the numbers wrong, but it's a huge number. I wonder whether the grumbling and the mumbling, if you're not guilty of that sometimes, then you're a liar. I wonder whether the grumbling and the mumbling is really offensive to God. And whether the numbers thing where, where he responds to the people of Israel mumbling and grumbling again in what looks to me like a rather over-the-top response in a way. So something about the fact that there's something very deep about this spiritually. I think the mumbling and the grumbling is a little bit the will and acts as well again. I think it's partly what we think, what we say. And I think our unity is, is very easily disrupted and destroyed by doing that thing where we mumble and grumble.
about leadership, about each other, about stuff. Because in the end, it puts ourselves in the, in the place of authority. It's a selfish thing in the end. The people of Israel had amazing provision and they grumble about lack of fish and cucumbers. Just take a moment. And like I say, if, we're, if, if you don't feel you've ever done this, then I'm, I suspect you have. Lord, we're sorry for that. Lord, we're sorry for the attitude that's behind that. We can receive your forgiveness. And Lord, we declare we want to be a church where that doesn't happen. Where we think the best and think good of each other. We want to work out our salvation in Cheshire Boys. We want to be your people here, your courageous, prophetic people here. And Lord, we just do that with fear and trembling. Because it's an awesome responsibility. The privilege of carrying the truth and the love of Jesus into our communities and with our friends and our families. And yet we know you go with us. Let Holy Spirit speak to you. And Father, I just pray that that something was twig up in our spirits the next time when the mumblings, the grumblings come and we kick it inside. In Jesus' name, Amen. The last bit phrase there. Uh, thank you. Then you will shine among them like in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And Paul's on a bit to himself again. I'm just going to end with that. Stars are amazing too. Uh, stars are, of course, sources of light. And, and they shine. And there's an awful number of them. But in ways, the beauty of stars is the, I don't know, the arrangements of them, the combinations of them. I mean, the sun's pretty impressive. It's a star. But it's just the fact that there's all of these stars. If you ever go out and back to the Coolins, um, that's the time I mostly see stars. When I'm properly out, away from lights, and you're up at the middle of the night, and you see the stars. And many of us, many people in our, our society have never really seen stars. I mean, they've seen them, but they've never seen a black sky with stars and the Milky Way. 
Have you seen that ever? Put your hands up. That, I mean, this was written, they weren't street lights, right? Every night when it's clear, and of course, where Mediterranean, it's often clear. It's just really impressive. And, and when, here he goes, and when God's people take their salvation seriously, they know it's God's done it, but they're up to doing it and being obedient to what God said, and I want to do exactly, and when they're united, no mumblings and grumblings, it's awesome and beautiful. And it's, how can I say this quite, stars don't intend to look beautiful. They don't think, I put my best looks on today, like I did this morning, like, you know, did my makeup. Did my nails. Do you like my nails? That's natural colour. Pay a lot of money for that. Stars don't do that, do they? They just show. Right? It's just, it's just part, of the, part of the deal. If, Jesus, if God's people do what, what we're saying here, <laughs> they're united and follow Jesus, it's really, really attractive and it just shines like stars. You don't have to do much, really. I mean, we do advertise. We do. Have you online now today? Bless you if you're online. Welcome online, whoever they are. We do plus like that. But it just is attractive, isn't it? That's what it should be anyway. That's what Paul's saying. But guys, in my absence as well as my presence, be obedient. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling, knowing that God's done everything. And don't mumble and grumble. Be united, because that is incredibly attractive.